0: This is this is a baton. This this actually this baton means means a lot to me. Um, I'm a big track and field guy from way back in the day, and uh, uh, God blessed me to to really be you know have some talent and be able to really uh, be successful uh, in all the way through high school, and um, to this day I love track and field. I love watching it, but my favorite event even back then, and my favorite event to watch is the relay. I think the relay is one of the most exciting things in track and field. So this, this particular one says, um, if I can read it here in, in the light. Uh, and turn There we go, turn the flashlight. It's engra- it has my name engraved on it. I, rece- I received this when I was a senior in high school. And it says, one mile relay. It has our time on it. And uh, state meet, 1974. So it was my goal to make it to the state track meet. So we, we actually placed 13th in California state track meet, my, my relay team. I was the anchor leg. I ran a 48 second last quarter. And if you know anything about track, that'll mean something to you. But anyway, um, that, that meant a lot to me. Now, I also ran the 400-meter relay. So, you know, when, when, you, when you're running the, the mile relay, or today they call it the 1600-meter relay, uh, the pass-off is, is really important, but not as much as it is in the 400-meter relay. Because if you, if you, how many of you have ever run a 400-meter relay? Just want to see if we got any. Okay. Man, I mean, you are, front, you are running full blast. And then there's this handoff that takes place, but it has to take place in the exchange zone, which is only 20 yards. That happens in two or three seconds. So literally, as, you, as you're running, so you know if you're, if you're doing it the way that, that you're supposed to do it, you're like this. Your guy's coming. There's a marker. Most likely it's a tape. And you're just waiting. The minute that that person hits that marker, you're taking off as fast as you can. And then you're, you're blind for a moment because you're looking straight ahead. And you're waiting for a command. Our command was always now. And as soon as you heard that, Boom, the hand went up, and that baton better be there, okay? You've got 20 yards to make that happen, and probably a lot of you have seen uh, in the Olympics, actually back in, uh, I'll never forget it, in 2008 in China at the Beijing Olympics, both of our relay teams were favored to win. The men and the women, highly favored to win. We should have blown everybody away. We were disqualified, both the men and the women, in the quarterfinals because they blew the hand off in that 20-yard zone you got to make it happen. So I, I want to I talk about the passing off of the baton today. Um, we're going to talk about leadership a little bit. Because leadership is, is really it's passing off from one person to the next. And, and we say it this way, the legacy of a great leadership is a baton, not a trophy. Now, inside, I have a, I have a storage area and I've got a box full of trophies, and I've got over 50 medals, you know, from the day. And I've got to tell you, even to this day, I'm, I'm, really, I'm proud of that, of the accomplishments that I had. I worked really hard for that. And uh, i got to tell you, I haven't looked in that box for a long time. The only time that I actually look in that box is when I'm moving stuff around. And I'll open it up, and it's all kind of rotting away now. I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is, you know, all my, my trophy stuff. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that moment. But from a leadership perspective, rather than look at what I've done in life at my successes, it's much more important for me to take the baton of leadership and to pass it on to the next person. In fact, all of us we should be we should as a parent, uh, if you're uh, a CEO, if you're a coach, if you're a mentor, if you're a teacher, if you're training somebody, that's what we do. We pass it on to the next generation. We we pass it on, hopefully. Give it to that person, and they're going to do better than even than, than we did. <clears throat> so, um, today, we're going to talk, again, about leadership. No, th- this, this is a, a vision statement that we've come up with the last couple of years at New Break. And, and it says, you know, developing Christ-centered leaders who change their world. Now, when you hear that, how does that hit you? Probably like, that's a really, really huge statement right there. Maybe it just, you seemed overwhelmed by that statement, and I've, I've noticed in, in my lifetime, whenever I throw out the word leadership, there's a segment of people that kind of back away and say, yeah, that doesn't describe me, I'm, I'm not a leader. And, and so, once again, and I, I've done this a lot in the, in the past, I want to describe to you what leadership is. Leadership is nothing more than influence, and all of you are influencers, Uh, You're influencers in your home. If you're a parent, you're an influencer as a parent. Uh, At your job, you have influence. Among your friends, you have influence. Uh, So all of us have influence, which means developing Christ-centered leaders who change. Notice it doesn't say the world. It says what? Their world. That means your world. You get to change your world. I get to change my world. This is a part of my world right here. You're a part of my world. My family is a part of my world. My friends are a part of my world. Okay? So I get to have influence over that, Which means that I'm in a position and you're in a position to make a handoff, uh, in many cases, to, to your children or to some of the other people that are in, in your life right now. So I want to talk about this through a, a great story. And it's, a, it's, it's probably one of the very best handoffs that takes place in the Bible. And the, in the Bible, there's a lot of handoffs. One of the handoffs was from a guy named Moses to a guy named Joshua. And that was a great handoff. And then there was a handoff between... Joshua to do you know who Joshua handed off to no one that's why there's there's a book called Judges and because Joshua handed off to no one the the book of Judges is a complete mess because there was never never a handoff made there that's why why it's so important for us to do a handoff so but but this is a good handoff so if you have your Bibles you might want to use your flashlights if, if you need to those new nifty little flashlights there We're going to start in uh, Second Kings. That's the Old Testament. If you're new to the Bible, and uh, we're going to read the first 15 verses of chapter two. Said, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Now, so we have two prophets. We have Elijah, and we have Elisha. Uh, Elijah's name means the Lord is God Elisha's name means the Lord is salvation or God is salvation so these guys have really really cool names and and they're very much prophets and they've been appointed prophets by God and Elisha has been studying and being mentored by Elijah for 18 long years so he's a prophet and he's just learning the ways of probably the best prophet Elijah said to Elisha stay here the Lord has sent me to, to Bethel now, Bethel was a place, it was a school for prophets. So I went to a college where there was a, a segment of my college was for training pastors, and there was a, it was a ministry school. And there's ministry schools all over the United States today, which is, which is a great thing. Back in this time, there were schools for prophets. It's kind of cool. And so there was like three main schools. Bethel was one of those so uh, Elijah says to Elijah, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But listen to what Elijah says. But Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Along, the, They've had this long relationship, and uh, Elisha wants to stick right by his side. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha, and they asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take up your master from you today? Yeah, yeah, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Which is kind of, under, really, it's, it's Elisha's way of saying, I'm, I'm bummed about this, um, so let's just not talk about this right now. And then, and then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Now, Jericho was another one of those schools of the prophets. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and they asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Say it again. It's interesting that these prophets, because they are prophets, they know that God is up to something and some, really something miraculous is going to take place. And he, and he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. That, that, that phrase right there is, is really a beautiful phrase. The two of them, they've been together for 18 years. And there's something about investing in another person or pouring your life into somebody else that is kind of a picture of walking together and, and walking on. I want you to think about that from like who is it that you're ready to hand the baton off to and you've been walking with them for a while. Maybe you've been in a teaching relationship, a mentoring relationship with them. Verse 7, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and they stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and and Elisha stopped at the Jordan. And Elijah took his cloak, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. Now, you might say, well, what is, what is a cloak? Um, so think of a cape. Uh, think of Superman, okay, and the cape, because Elijah was kind of a super prophet. And so he had this, this, uh, this cape that would go all the way down to the ground. At, at that particular time, he'd use it for two purposes. One of it was just to sort of fend off weather a little bit. But the other one, it was actually a symbol of him being a prophet, A lot of times he would take that that cloak and in this particular case, he would use it to actually perform miracles. Um, So he takes the cloak, he rolls it up, he strikes the water with it. The water divides to the right and the left and the two of them cross over on dry ground. (laughs) Pretty cool stuff. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? So even even Elijah knows something up. God's going to do something. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a very difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Chariots of fire. You always wonder where that came from, right? Chariots of fire. I mean, this is like the coolest way of passing from this life to the next that anybody's ever had. I mean, how would you like it? You're, you know, you're at that time in your life. Instead of dying, God says, I'm going to send a chariot for you, and then we're just going to whisk you right into eternity. Wow, that, that's cool. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, and horses of fire appeared, and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up in, a, in heaven in a whirlwind, and, and Elijah, Elisha saw this, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. And then he took a hold of his garments and he tore them in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan and he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. Now this is a very defining moment. What was the question? Remember he asked, he goes, Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. And so right now, he's going to find out if he's going to get it or not. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed. And in that moment, he knows, I got it. Okay, God's going to do something powerful in my life. He's going to use me as a powerful prophet the same way that he used Elijah. Verse 15, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. So the baton in this particular case, has been successfully passed on. So we're going to learn some things from this. First of all, what, is, what does Elijah teach us about godliness in passing the baton? There's some real great principles we can learn here. The first one is that you got to trust in the timing of the process. you got to trust in the timing. So you've got the baton, and let's just say it's one of your children. Let's just say it's uh, somebody at work and maybe you've got uh, a position where people uh, come and they answer to you, but you've been raising somebody up and at some point in time you say, it's time to pass off the baton to you. But it's all about the timing. You got 20, in in the case of a real relay, remember 20 yards, you're going full blast and the the, the timing is everything. You can't pass off too early and you can't pass off too late because if you do, you'll be disqualified. Timing is everything. I, I remember my, my dad was a great mentor to me in the area of leadership. He really emphasized leadership. And I, I'll never forget, when I was 12 years old, my dad violated all the child labor laws because he had me come to work for him at 12 years old uh, in a full-time capacity in the summertime when I was out of school. And my dad used to own a service station. It was, it was one of those service stations where they do everything. You know, you, They, of course, you, know, had, you serve gas, but also they had... Um, a full mechanical business, we we repaired tires, we did oil changes, Um, we did all that kind of stuff. So at 12 years old, my dad wants to teach me about life and about business, about working with the public, and so um, I'm I'm working 10-hour days with my dad. I'm learning how to make money, how to handle money, uh, how to manage money, which is really cool, and so by the time I'm 16 years old, I've been doing this for a while, I'll never forget, one day my dad hands me a clipboard, and on the clipboard there's an application form for a job on it. And he said, Steve, um, I've got some people to come in to apply for a job today. I want you to do the interviews. Now, I'm 16 years old. And here's the great thing about it. Because my dad felt confident in me, and because he had been training me, I actually felt pretty confident. So we had a short conversation about that. You can only imagine, the look on the faces of the 22 to 25-year-old applicants that were coming in, and here I am, and I'm a 16-year-old kid, and I'm going, so uh, sit down, let's, let's, let's talk about this. And so I'll never, I'll never forget after, I, I think it was about three different people that uh, I interviewed, I came back to my dad and I said, so the first person clearly didn't want the job. You know, it was pretty obvious that, um, that uh, whatever. And then the second person, I said, they were okay, but the third person was the person. We had a great conversation. And that was the beginning of me learning, you know, some, some leadership skills. So at that point in my life, at that area of my life, my dad went here and he passed the baton off to me. Parents, I want to talk to you about that for a second. I want you to think about when is it time to pass a baton of leadership, of some form of leadership, off to your kid. And, and maybe you're not even thinking about it that way. But there comes a point in time when you say, I'm, I'm trying to raise this kid up to be successful. At, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise this kid up so they can be strong in work and relationships and the a relationship with God. What does that look like for you? And then, and then for, for, for those of you that are investing in somebody, you're raising somebody up, how is the timing? Is it time to, to make that Handoff. You don't want to do it too late. You don't want to do it too early. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. And notice he said, I'm not going to hand off yet. But they they, they stayed together. And then you've got to walk in the authority of of your own calling. Notice that to the very end, um, Elijah's kind of stayed in his lane. You know, uh, one of the things that happens in the 400 meter when you're running, if you step out of your lane, what happens? You get disqualified, right? So he said, I'm a prophet. I'm going to stay a prophet. And, uh, and so he finishes to the very end as a prophet. Now, here, here's the, the point. Here's how that transla- translates into our life. All of you have been called by God if you have a relationship with him. God has skilled you. Uh, he's equipped you. He's given you certain kind of gifts, talents, and abilities. And, and so you should always, always use those, even if you're not like, a professional in that sense. See, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor most of my life. One day I won't be a pastor anymore, at least in the terms of being a pastor for a church, but I'll always be a pastor. I've studied my whole life to be a pastor. I have years and years of experience of being a pastor, so one day when I hand off to Tony, our campus director, I'll still be a pastor. I may not uh, receive a salary from this church anymore. I may not even be necessarily associated with this church anymore, but I'll always be a pastor because that's part of my calling, and so I will always walk, operate that way. So what, what does that look like for you? See, if you're a teacher, you're always a teacher. That's a gift that God gave you. If, if you have uh, great administrative skills, you need to help people like me that don't have them. You can, you can use those. If, if, if you're a person that has speaking ability, you, you always want to just stay in your lane and use that to the end of your life. Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up. See, at the very end, he goes, it takes one more miracle before he, he moves on. And then you got to be humble about it. I love the fact, you know, here they are. And, and, and really, at this point in time, Elijah is the greatest prophet that ever lived. How many of you were here for the last several weeks we talked about Elijah? You, you saw some of the incredible things that he did. God used him like probably never used a prophet before. And so when they crossed the river, Elijah says to Elisha, Tell me, what, what can I do before you, for you before I'm, I'm taken? I love this. I love this because it shows the humility of Elijah. If you and I, if we, as, we're, as we're handing off the baton, it should never be like this. I'm handing it off to you. You'll never be as good as I was. You'll never be as successful as I was. Uh, but I'm going to hand it off to you, and I just, you know, I'm going to throw up a prayer and hope that you do okay. Is that the way we do it? Not at all. You see, if I hand off my my prayer and my hope and my investment in that person is, I want you to do better than me. How many of us parents want our kids to do better than we did? I hope so. I hope my kids are more successful than I am. I hope they do better in life than I did. And if they do, uh, I hope they take some of the credit for that, for a good handoff. And you and I should do the same thing. We should should never be so insecure whether we're raising somebody up for our job or or for some other position and say, well, I hope you do well. And inside we're thinking, but you're not as good as I am. No, 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 no. We should do everything we can to position that person for success. That's what what Elijah did. And Elijah was a great prophet, but 18 years of his life were invested in Elisha to help him to be the, the very, very best that he could be. So don't be insecure. And if you are insecure, pray about it. Say, God, help me to get over my insecurity. Help me to make that person that I'm going to hand off to, help them to do a greater job than I could in in my life. And then you got to be honored that actually somebody wants to stand on your shoulders. So let me talk about a few handoffs that we already saw one that's taken place today on that video. So um, the leadership of our church, you know, Mike Quinn and Robert Walks, our executive pastor, they're, they're handing off to Eric. And they're saying to Eric, you know, it's time to sprout your wings a little bit, Eric. And, uh, and, and that's a win. That, that's a huge win for, for all of us. There's another uh, leadership transition that's taken place, and I don't know if you're aware of it, but that guy that you saw on the screen, Mike Quinn, is making a handoff right now to a guy named Robert Walks, who is our, is our executive pastor. And it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's happening in about the next year, year and a half. How many of you were aware of that? It's like, how many of that was new to you? Okay, there's, there's a handoff that's taking place. And it's, it's a good handoff. Robert's a great guy. He's very skilled. Um, I really, we all believe in him a lot. And so there's that handoff that's taking place. And I can, I can guarantee, because I know, I know Mike Quinn. I've known him for a long time. Mike is not going like this. Here you go, Robert. You're not as good as me, but here you go. He believes that Robert is going to be better than he was. One of the, one of the handoffs that took place in this campus, and I love it, uh, it took place a few years ago, but you know we brought Tony in, Tony Schlegel, to be our campus director, and Tony is just doing an awesome job. But Tony stands on the shoulders of the person I love most in this world, and that's my wife. And my wife, Karen, was a campus director for a long time. And when she handed it off to Tony, she didn't do this. Here you, here you go. Have at it, man. I'm tired. She, did, she didn't do that. She, I watched her hand off to Tony, and I, she did it so well. And she was very responsible. And she waited and she waited till the timing was right. And then Tony has taken the baton, and he has done fantastic. There's one more handoff that's going to take place, and that's going to be when I hand off to Tony. And I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen. You ready? In 2050. I'm gonna hand off. Are you ready for that? 2050. I'm gonna be about 95 years old, and he, I think he's gonna be about 80s. Uh, so no, I'm just kidding. I, you know, I, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'm love. I'm loving pastoring, and I don't have a. a I'm not have am not going to quit anytime soon. But I will at some point hand off to Tony. So I, and so, what am I doing? I'm investing in him. I'm mentoring him. I'm helping him. He's doing a fantastic job. He is going to be a great pastor. He really is. So you got to be honored that somebody uh, in your life would want to stand on, on your shoulders. And, but you, got, you have to set them up for success, though. Again, you, ha- you have to hold that baton and then give it to them and make sure that the past happens well, that they're prepared, that they're ready, and then, and then you do that. And so here, here's a, a question that I think that we always have to ask ourselves. Am I making a disciple of Christ or am I making a disciple of me? Now, you, the reason I ask that question is this. How many of you have been mentored by somebody, coached by somebody, okay, raised up by somebody, all right? That's a great thing. Have you ever been raised up by somebody and they're trying to make you a mini-me? That doesn't feel good, does it? One of the coaches in my life is a great guy, still a great friend today, but at some point in time, so let me tell you about this guy. This guy is an extreme extrovert, and I am not. I'm a vocational extrovert, but my personality is such that I'm actually kind of an introvert. And so this guy, at some point in time, he was just getting on my nerves. Um, and and so, it's, so, I, so I had to establish some boundaries with this guy and say, look it, I love you, I thank you for really raising me up and investing in my life, but dude, I'm not you. So please respect who I am, respect my personality, and, and you've, you've helped me a lot so in, in your relationships, don't think that the person has to be just like you. In fact, the best thing you can do is step back from it a little bit, get a little perspective and say, how can I leverage their gifts, their talents, their abilities, uh, everything? How can I make them the best version of who God created them to be? That goes for our kids too. Parents, you know how it is. You know, I want my kid to be just like me. Maybe your kid's not like you at all. And so you got to figure out, you know, you say, well, you know, I'm more of a a left-brain person. You find out your kid's more of an artistic right-brain person. And you're like, bummer. No, no, that's fantastic. And then just so help them with that. Help them to become the whatever God created them to be in in that. Don't make them a disciple of you. Make them a disciple of Jesus. You know who did this better than anybody? Was Jesus. Jesus just, he passed that baton off so well. And he showed those guys how to live, but he was also very respectful. They were all different. Peter was really different than James. James was different than Andrew. They all had their their personality. And then God used them wonderfully to begin the church. Now, it's one thing to um, actually pass off. It's another thing to actually receive the baton. So let's talk about what, what that looks like for a second. Again, you're running full speed. We got any relay runners here? Okay. Come on up here. Osa. Osa actually used to train people for track, for uh, Point Loma Nazarene, right? Are you still doing it? Okay. So we're going we're gonna to do, we, we uh, actually did this for fun earlier. Okay. So I want you to pass off to me, all right? Okay. Okay. And the word, because when you're passing off, almost every relay team has a word. So, when at Gilroy High School in 1974, our word was now. Okay. All right? So, we're going full blast, you know, and, and, and at this point, okay, come on up here. <laughs> so, at this point, <clears throat> we are in the exchange zone. We are going so fast, it's ridiculous, blinding speed. There you go. Okay. We are both at the peak of our life. We are much younger. Okay. All right. Still are. <laughs> Still are. Okay. So, we're, we're, we're right in the middle of it, and then, so we're going, and so, the word is, the word is now, okay? No. okay? Okay, all right. No. Perfect, right? There you go. That's what we do. <laughs> Thank you, Osa. Appreciate that. This is, this is a picture of me in uh, high school, and um, I wish I had all that hair, but anyway, and notice I've got two hands back. That's not the way to do it. That not. So that's Jerry Fleece right behind me there. And uh, that was not an actual race. We were just posing. We were doing pictures for the yearbook. But, uh, but you can see, you know, he's reaching out. And again, I've got two hands back. It should just just be one hand. But it's all about receiving it. And, it's, and receiving it is not as easy as you think it is, man. You really, really have to have the timing down for this. So let's talk about the fact that now Elijah has passed on. But Elisha, it's time for him to receive. That, that baton. So what does that look like? In a, in a practical sense, it means that we, be, we always stay teachable. Um, it says, and he, Elijah, replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I won't leave. Notice he sticks with him right to the end. Why? He says, I want to learn. I want to learn. I'm going to be with you. I want to learn everything that I can. Now look at when somebody is passing the baton on to you of leadership or, or a job situation or whatever it would be, You've got to stick with that person. You have to know that you never, ever arrived. The day that you think you arrived, you just short-circuited your entire future because life is always about learning. You just continue to learn and learn and learn. Remain teachable to the, to the very end. I've been pastoring for a long, long time now. I continue to go to seminars. I continue to read books I continue to, to find new ways to pastor. The culture is changing. Technology is changing. That means I have to change. I can't, I can't get set in my ways and go, well, I've been doing this for a long time now. No, we, we never, ever, ever do that. And so he stays with it right to the end. And if you're going to receive the baton from somebody, if you're going to stay relevant, then you've got to keep learning from that, that person. And then you've got to honor the past. Notice he says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. In other words, what Elisha is saying Elijah, you are a great man, and I want what you got. And, and the greatest way that you could honor somebody is by receiving what they have and then running with it and doing the very best that you can with it. You've got, you got to honor the past. Um, sometimes, we, again, you're in the exchange zone, you know, and you're ready to receive this thing. And you can get ahead of yourself. There, there's two ways that you can really blow it. Uh, the first one is, is that you're... You're too fearful to take it. The other one is you you, you take it too soon. Um, So here's what that looks like for me. I'll give you a practical example. The very first church that I came to, and I had just just graduated from college, and I went to a church of about 1,200 people, and I inherited a youth group of 200 students that some other guy had done all the work. And so I stand up there, and suddenly I've got 200 students in front of me, and I'm thinking, wow, man, this is awesome. I haven't worked for it at all. This guy has done all the heavy lifting, all the foundation building, and he's been doing it for years. And so I'm there. And so being kind of young and, and probably a little full of myself, uh, we were, we were going to have something that had been a tradition in this church, which was to have a, a graduation ceremony for the high school students that were graduating, and they had a dinner. Every year they would have this dinner, and apparently it was well attended, and it was just a big deal. And so Steve Bumbachi comes along, Right. And thinking I know a lot, and I go, you know what? We don't need to do that anymore. Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to have a dinner. We're going to have a graduation breakfast. And we're going to have pancakes. And we're going to have everybody show up in the morning. And just because I can, I think we're just, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, the old school stuff. We're going to do something new. So what happens is, uh, you know, I, I, may, I do all the planning and everything. We get there that morning. Now, bear in mind, usually somewhere between 150 and 200 people would show up. It was a big deal. And we had, get ready for this, we had three people show up. It was one of the most humiliating, humiliating, embarrassing moments of my life. And it wasn't just embarrassing for me. It was embarrassing for the pastor of that large church, sitting there looking at me going, Steve Mbachi, man, what did you do? I Just full of myself. Don't be too eager to reinvent the wheel because it was already functioning. So when somebody's handing off to you, a lot of times, you know, it's like systems are in place. There, there's a lot of people that have made it what it is today. And what I'm saying is that you and I have to stand back from that and say, okay, for it to get where it is today, you know, it wasn't just that I arrived on the scene, it's all going to be great now. But I have to think about how this all came to be. And then the other mistake people make is to get into some, whatever's been passed on to you, say, well, we're just going to keep it the same. No, because culture changes, life changes, personalities change. And so you always have to be moving forward. So then after, and only after, and this is a leadership principle, only after you've assessed it, you've appreciated the history of it, you understand the systems of it, um, and the personalities that are involved, only at that point are you in a position to say, okay, now we're going to start to make some changes around here. Okay. And then you've got to accept the mantle of authority And begin to walk in it. And at this moment, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were teaching, were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him. They they bowed down. They said, okay, the the baton has been successfully passed. See, I, I think actually accepting the baton is probably one of the most difficult things because a lot of times when that moment comes where we have that moment in us and says, wait a second, this means responsibility, this means I'm the man, I'm the woman. I'm the person in charge now. And all, all those years or all those months or however long it's been, that person's been training you, investing in you. So suddenly the baton is in your hand. And there could be that moment where you're like, uh, I don't know if I want this baton. That sounds a lot like adulting to me. Sounds like responsibility, okay? But if we're gonna do it the God way, the Jesus way, there comes that point when we have to be willing to say, okay, now! And I, and I take the baton, and I run with that baton. And I run hard with that baton, all the way to the finish line. You know, one of the things that God has called us to do, especially as pastors, he's called us to equip the saints for ministry. You'll find that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. And, and, and when it says equip the saints for ministry, it means... Uh, helping every single person find out what their gift, talent, ability, capacity to serve, like how would God use you? And so um, in closing, I just want to one more time mention this. Uh, join the team. If you're a part of our, of our campus, you can find this in those little blue uh, buckets underneath your seats or those boxes. I'd like you to think about, am I ready to receive the baton of leadership in some area? Maybe you've been in a life group, but now it's time to lead a life group. And I know that's sort of scary to some of you, but maybe it's time for you to step up and say, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed the benefits of somebody else leading, and now maybe it's time for me to lead. Maybe you've been a, a part of another ministry in our church, and we have lots of opportunities, and you've been watching somebody else enjoy it, and uh, maybe somebody's actually been trying to encourage you and invest in you. And, and they're actually they're trying to put the baton in your hand, and you're going, no, I don't want that baton. And, and maybe today is the day when you really begin to seriously think about, okay, maybe it's time for me to take that baton. And then when you take that baton, at some point in time, you're going to pass that baton on to somebody else. So, a guy named Tom Mullins said this, and he's written a lot of books It's all about leadership. Um, I highly encourage you to read some of, of his books, but he says this, a transition will be one of the greatest tests of your leadership, but it will also serve as one of the greatest rewards and testimonies of your legacy. So, who are you passing off to and who are you receiving from? That's the last question I want to leave you. Where are you in your life right now passing off to somebody? And I, I realize for some of you, maybe this is the very first time you ever even thought about it this way. You're a parent and you're like, well, I'm just raising my kid. But you're doing a lot, you're doing a lot more than raising your kid. You're going to continue to raise that kid until he's 40, 50. I have adult kids. It didn't stop when they were 18. It didn't stop when they are 25 i got my kids in their 30s now and 20s. I'm still passing the baton off to them. So what, what does that look like for you? Okay, let's pray. Father, it seems like so much of life is about timing, about the exchanges of, of leadership, of pouring ourselves into other people, walking with other people, and 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 Lord, sometimes just because we get so caught up in the busyness of life, we forget that Lord, that's a huge responsibility that you've called us to as as disciples of of Christ. And and I just know that right now that you're talking to people, you're probably talking to parents, and you're talking to to CEOs and people that lead in different capacities. You're, you're talking to people that have influences in, in different areas. And right now, you're speaking to them about passing that baton. What does that look like? I also suspect that you're talking to other people about receiving some leadership. Somebody's been investing in them, caring for them, teaching them. Um, and, and it's just time. It's just time to step up and to receive really the gift of leadership and the responsibility and the blessing of leadership. And so I I ask that you would help that person to understand what that would be. What does that look like to them? Make it crystal clear to them, I pray. We pray all these things, Jesus, in your name.